It's a nice summer day, so we got Learning Geeks talking about learning things on this episode of the Learning Geeks podcast, starting now. <gasps> Look who just walked into the studio. We have, we have a kid that showed up. Yay! Yeah, hello. Right as I was finishing the cold open. <laughs> Jake's like pushing, pushing them off. Like, go talk to mom. And we're like, we should interview them. You know, this is what happens when I I'm on a day off today, and then oh yeah, of course they're on summer break, and I forgot to warn them. I wish I had a light, one of those lights on the outside that says recording in progress. But yeah, you have, have no something idea. like that, don't you, Dana? Didn't you have? Don't you have a sign that you put outside your? Well, room? I had a sign that I put up when I had a, a room, and when it was when Rebecca was around, and in my new locale. I'm in an upper loft and it's just Julie and I, so I don't have a sign. So it's anymore. no big deal. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. We we have a full house here too, because um, Jackson's graduation was Saturday. And congrats. Uh, that's awesome. Right. So that's great. So Harrison flew down um, from Portland to Santa Cruz for the graduation. And then he drove back with us yesterday and Jackson is coming back with some friends. So he'll actually arrive, I think, while we are, while we are recording right now. So we will nice. have, we will have a full so he house. Might interrupt and then there too. He very well could, he could come in and want to know what's going on. Um, and then, you know, the, the three of us boys are heading off to the galactic star cruiser for our final, my final, their only voyage, only uh, voyage, final voyage and near final voyage of the entire thing. It, very yeah. close. Yeah. 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 So that's a, that's a sad thing, but we're, we're doing that. It's sad, but it's very happy. We've been looking forward to this for a long time, and it's going to be really, really fun. That's cool. So, so yeah, hey, it's just the three of us. We don't have a guest. Uh, we kind of have a, a smorgasbord of different learning-related things that we thought we could talk about. Uh, do we want to say me feel a lot of energy about getting started? I want to get started with a question that the three of us have tossed around a little bit, and it ends up being kind of a it's sometimes a little controversial, but what's the difference between training and learning? And why is it important to differentiate between the two? Mm. What is the difference between training and learning? What what prompted us to talk about that, Dana? Maybe let's bring that up a little bit first before we <laughs> jump in. Is there, or have you noticed that as a conflicting discussion among the industry or even among the uh leaders outside of the industry what what do you think is well there's a variety of things but sometimes jake people will think that just because they're doing training people are learning things yeah right yeah and that's not the case like there's a lot of ethics and compliance training that has very little learning in it because Mm -hmm. you're going through page by page by page by page and you you can pass the test because the test is written simple and now, there is some ethics and compliance training that has learning in it. But so I thought it might just be interesting to talk yeah. about the talk yeah. about that. And I think, Bob, you've, you've had some pretty straightforward opinions on that. Well, I have. I have, I have been thinking about it and writing some of our internal my internal blog, which I finally resurrected uh, a few weeks ago, Jake. So I'm oh, trying nice. to. Yeah, I'm what trying is, to write, what was it called? 56 crayons. That's right? it. Because that's the, the yeah, it's, the it's the gap between the box of eight crayons that your mom always bought you at the beginning of the year and the 64 <laughs> crayons that you wanted, right? So yeah, the premise is I'll, I'll give you your extra 56 crayons so you can create a more colorful picture. Um, so I have been writing and I, I did write on this. One of the 
the instigating factors for that was a conversation that that I was on. I was sharing, I've been talking to our HR leaders about how we can use generative AI for different things across the talent spectrum. And one of the leaders said, you know, the examples that you've been giving are all learning related. What about another area of HR, like uh, skill development? I'm kind of like, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, is it H, is it, uh, is it, is it learning and skill development kind of the same thing? So I thought it was worthwhile. And, you know, and this is where, this is where my brain is at right now. It's, it's very semantic, right? And there actually is like some passion between the idea of learning and training. I remember hearing a leader once say, you know, you don't train humans, you train dogs. Like, <laughs> let's not call it training. Let's call it education. And then I got on the whole kick. It's like, well, let's call it education. I uh, get all huffy about it. But here's what I'm realizing is, is a little bit more practical, right? If you think of learning as growing your brain, right? So you are rewiring your brain, you are adding neurons to your brain, you are building skills, you are learning knowledge. Learning is just anything that happens that actually expands your brain and expands your capacity. If we declare that to be true, and then we think of training as when we create experiences, we design experiences or we create experiences that are intended to help people learn, we call that training. So like we are interested in all learning. We want people to learn. The way that we are going to do that is we are going to create training experiences that help them learn. And we're also going to recognize that there are a lot of things outside of a training experience that will help them learn, like their practical experience on the job, like mm -hmm. coaching and mentoring, uh, you know, other things that we're thinking of in terms of when we're talking now about work, learn, fusion, um, other things there. But but you can think of training as a discrete event that is designed to help people learn. And I'm just finding it very helpful to think of it that way. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel that there has been an historical view of what an L&D function is. And they are a training building factory. They are right. known for creating courses and courseware and again what we've typically wrapped around as as training not only those that have been around for a long time outside of L&D but even those that have been around for so often they they see L&D as this place where you go to request courses and programs to be developed experiences to be developed and again that's typically wrapped in the training yeah. atmosphere and that to me is a, it's a moment in time that can contribute to the larger learning process. Right. But it's, right. I mean, how much, I always say this too, is how much you're really going to walk away and truly learn. I, I, I like to think of those events or those training programs as probably good either catalysts or uh, launching off events or something that is in the middle or whatever, something to either recall, to launch. But yes, there is a difference we should definitely consider of both of them. I don't know about you, Dana, what you're... Well, I was thinking that uh, one of the challenges we have with that, what you're just talking about, Jake, is um, it, it's easy to measure and plan and program events like that, correct? Mm -hmm. and getting to Bob's idea, how does a learning function help impact things that aren't in that container of, of training and courses and curriculum? 
right? If it, that's what people are typically measured on, uh, that's typically how success is defined. How do we get out of that mold so that we say success is defined even beyond the formalized training events? And how do right. we cultivate those things, right? As, as learning professionals, how do we cultivate that learning uh, more, you know, to use Bob and Khan's phraseology at the moments of need, the moment of apply and, you know, out in the in the workflow. And Bob, you mentioned Gen AI at the yeah. start. Did this come up because of a result of the Gen AI, Gen AI discussion? I know mm -hmm. personally, I have thought a lot about content development, training development, and how is that impacted in AI and yeah. usage, which, which again, when we think of our space, we have a lot of developers that are in this, this profession. And that is a, uh, I don't know if it's a threat, but it might be seen as a possible threat. I don't know. Did that come up because of this? Did it make you think of that as part of your blog? No, that, I mean, that's a good guess, right? Th that it would have. <laughs> uh, that, that wasn't the origin of it. It was more just us trying to think about how do we differentiate between learning that happens in a classroom, whether that's a real classroom or a virtual classroom, versus other types of learning that people experience. So, I mean, that, that was the origin of it. But Jake, I think thinking about this in terms of generative AI, it really opens up that conversation because I think what we're going to see is people interacting more with generative AI on a day-to-day -day basis in the flow of their work to learn while they are applying new skills and to get that support while they're applying new skills. So I think we're gonna see a lot more learning and effective learning happening outside of the, you know, the, the, the canned learning situations, the training experiences. So it's a good guess. So have we beat up that topic enough or do we need a little more pounding on it? <laughs> do you have more pound to give? I, th I, I, I think it's a great discussion because, yeah, yeah. you know, we often think that just because people go through an event that they've learned things. And I, you know, I always come at, at it from the standpoint you were just emphasizing earlier, Bob, is are we actually changing cognitive structures? Are we, are we adding cells to the brain? Are we uh, yeah. getting people the, the motor skills that they need? And uh, doesn't have to, doesn't have to, and often does not take place in a formal setting. The last thing I would say, is for you know anything that whenever I do a project within our the lab, one of the things I always tell everybody is to let's try to really really push ourselves to think beyond our traditional event based programs. Yeah, what can we in learning and development do to contribute to the larger talent and and people experience outside of because again, like you said, Bob, learning and development or learning is part throughout. Why isn't it just skill? What's skill development? No, it's all part of the whole process. And so to me, I think our role actually can be expanded in such greater ways than it is utilized yeah. today. Yeah. Outside of if you were to take a piece of a, a circle, it was like a piece of a pie or like a part of a pie. The work that we've commonly done is just a piece of that larger process. And I think mm -hmm. there's more that we could do to support the rest. So I think there's still a ton of opportunities. We just may not be doing the same thing that we've always have done. And that goes back to my comment about that that that's that extra part is not what's measured and that's not how success is defined. So right. we need to look at some of those underlying structures in our processes and say, what can we modify in order to take advantage of what you're talking about? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. Well, you know what? I will then, um, it's going to sound like I'm doing a U-turn on the whole conversation, but actually it's going to be a, a lane shift here. So, um, 
despite yes, learning is a lot more than training and training is a lot more than just in-person experiences and all this kind of stuff. I've been really interested lately in the conversation of how important is face-to-face learning, right? And uh, let's just put it this way. We are seeing different companies, including the ones that we happen to be employed by, kind of having different philosophies about the importance of face-to-face learning, of actually getting people together for learning. So I've been very interested in that. We know from various sources what our people think, like what their opinion is. I I think it's safe to say that a lot of people out in the corporate workplace wished that they were able to get together live for face-to-face training more than they currently are. But I'm interested in how important really is that? Like, where does the learning actually get expanded, right? So literally, as I was, you know, booting up my computer to join you guys for this podcast, I was looking through uh, Apple News on my phone, and I saw a brand new article from Scientific American, which... I don't know, what would we say about Scientific American? It used to be pretty, like, a journal. You know, it was always popular, but a journal. I, I don't know how, like, rigorous they really are right now. I hope nobody from Scientific American Well, I, I would say it used to be scientific and it used to be American. That's... <laughs> now it's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see some fairly clickbaity um uh, headlines yeah. coming from them sometimes, but in general, I think they're okay. Anyway, he, the the article in this month's Scientific American, it's called Synchronized Minds, and I only had a chance to skim it, but what they're talking about is brain synchrony, and the, the link that actually got me here was, uh, it says, being on the same wavelength, in quotes, being on the same mm. wavelength as someone else is real. Brain science proves it. Right. So it's talking about brain synchrony and how we are discovering that when um, when people are engaged in the same experiences, you can see their neurons firing in the same way. Uh, You can see their brain waves behaving in the same way. So Hmm. it seems like their brains actually do sync up when they are having a shared experience. And. What I'm curious about, and I'm trying to scan through here and see if there's any research on this, I'm curious whether you get that same synchrony in an electronic connection versus face-to-face, right? Because the sci-fi nerd part of me wants to think that the synchrony is happening because there's actually like... ESP and psychic waves going between these people when they're close to each other (laughs) (laughs) that are syncing them up and therefore saying that like there is value in face-to-face learning because then you get this brain synchrony and it makes learning more effective. But, you know, maybe the same level of synchrony happens when we are talking over the internet or when we are in a virtual reality shared experience or something like that. I want to see that research and figure that out. But I think that that would be very interesting into the question of what value do we really get from face-to-face learning? So you guys have any thoughts to that? There is a theory called theory of mind that that is somewhat 
I'm assuming somewhat similar to this, where it's some type of theory within the psychology space around the idea that brains do sync up. Um, And that is one of the powers of why I think humans have lived. Again, I'm not going to talk too much in Atuka because I haven't, it's been a while since I've looked deep into it, but there is, there is something there. I think if I just go back and think outside of just that, that theory or that concept of, of brain syncing up, I have been getting the question a lot too around what what makes what makes in person more effective than not and and I, I think again all of us have probably gone through this question even again how many times we've gone through it multiple times uh, it, it seems like whenever there is a, a economic cycle I feel like that is something that always comes up is right. this concept um, and, and and again it's a good discussion I think it is a good discussion and it does make you think I. One of the aspects that I simply put, I always say in person is is fantastic for the social element. Mm-hmm. That is the one bit that you really can emphasize and showcase is the social element, which again, kind of links, there's probably some linkage here between the theory and or the, the mind and uh, the linkage in there. But there's a huge element of, I could connect people with experts right away. There is no friction that... We have to line people up for schedules. We have to get somebody onto a Slack channel or a Teams channel or whatever the case could be. There's no friction there. They're there. They're present. There's also the the. It's less friction of someone, even though again you you're physically there and you can also be mentally gone to somewhere else. But at the same time, it's less less worry yeah. that someone's not going to be there uh, mentally because you've made the effort to go. So again, I think from the social element, it's fantastic. But from the traditional way in which we utilize in-person learning, which is typically throw up content, drain through stuff, it's not great for it. It's actually a waste of money for it. Yeah. Um, but if you really want to amp up the social element, that's a different that's a different st- discussion. And also something I still think you should talk about when you make start making these decisions between one or the other. So going back to the first part of this podcast, if we include like the social element and building the network and getting coaching and everything from each other, the the learning might be more effective in person, but is the training, right? Is it like the actual training, like the sitting down and and listening to new content and processing it and uh, and interacting with it. Is that better in person uh, versus like just over uh, Microsoft Teams or Zoom or something like mm-hmm. that? And then, you know, what's the difference between that and in doing that in a virtual world as well? You know, we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of value of doing learning in the in the virtual world. We've seen it work. Uh, but, you know, like to, to really measure and understand what the difference is, I, I'm very intrigued by that. If that if that synchrony is a thing. It would be interesting to know, is it a thing in the virtual world just the same as it is, you know, right. when you're physically together? That's some interesting research we could look into. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good question. But hey, listen, if any of our listeners know more about like theory of mind and brain synchrony than we are exhibiting here in this conversation today. Which is not much. <laughs> drop us a note on LinkedIn or something. Yeah. We'll have you on as a guest because I want to find out. I want to learn more from you. Uh Here's a quick question for you guys to move the conversation along. Do you have any big learning plans for the summer? So I do. I've got two projects that I'm starting. One is after 
months of talking about it and me being jealous and literally drooling sometimes, uh, Dana has indirectly convinced me to buy a Traeger grill. So I am going to be learning how to be a better barbecuist slash smoker. And that actually gets delivered in about an hour and 20 minutes right now. Nice. That process starts today. I did 16 pounds of pork over the weekend. Wow. (laughs) And I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to do that, Dana. I actually did. Like you said, I went to Costco today over lunch, over the lunch break. And I bought, uh, the two pork shoulder butts. Yeah. 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 So we'll, we'll cook one tomorrow. And we'll freeze we have, one. I used to cook one at a time, but we have our friend Trina Wellendorf to, she, she encouraged and suggested, Hey, why not cook two at a time? And that's uh, a great idea. Cause you, it freezes well and, uh, yes. or shares well. I, <laughs> my neighbors came and they said, are you uh, smoking something in the Traeger? <laughs> it's like <laughs> their whole house was, you know, kind of filled with smoke. Yes, I am. And I have some to share. <laughs> you know, it's funny too, living in Long Beach, California, when people come to my house and they have you been smoking all weekend? That usually has a different, different connotation <laughs> than what Dana's talking about. Yeah. I, I do want to take just a second to pause and, and uh, uh, nod to uh, our colleague Trina Wellendorf and the Trina Cucina webcast, which I podcast, which I also host, by the way. So any Learning Geeks uh, listeners who want to listen to the Trina Cucina podcast and learn from two learning professionals, one of whom knows what they're talking about and the other one knows nothing about, but is learning, uh, you can tune into Trina Cucina. Anyway, so I'm going to learn how to grill this. Dana's going to be my coach. I don't know how much he actually signed up for, but I've already asked him a lot of questions about it, a lot more than I usually do. So I'm well, glad and everything I learned about uh, that I've learned on YouTube. <laughs> well, there we go. So he can just, you know, when he gets sick of me, I'll, asking I'll send you some links there. Yeah. The other, um, the other learning experience I just embarked on, Jake, you don't know about this yet, but I, I think you're going to find it interesting. Um, the guy who has gotten famous on YouTube for doing the generative AI created Wes Anderson trailers, like Star Wars. Oh no, by you Wes said Anderson. that. You said in our text. Oh, did I tell you that? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I signed up for his class. So he offers now a, uh, a virtual class. It's like six weeks long about how to make movies with generative AI. And so I signed up for that. That's going to start here in about a week and a half. So that's the other thing that I'm going to be focusing on learning nice. this, uh, this summer, because I think that'll be a very good skill to have. Nice. So my learning is going to be in um, continuing to explore the trails, both the biking trails and the hiking trails of Utah. I have this ever-increasing map in my head of what trails connect and uh you know where where to avoid the rattlesnakes and those types of things when you're walking um where the cool waterfalls are uh so mine's going to be more of a exploration learning nice over the summer and learning where the rattlesnakes aren't or actually learning where the rattlesnakes are yeah is a good very good learning I've got very, one of my friends careful. that, that uh, goes hiking and he's disappointed if he doesn't find one along the path. I am terrified <laughs> if I find one along the path. Yeah, I know. Like, wow. And I, and I can't even me. identify a rattler from a, you know, a grass. <laughs> How about you, Jake? What well, are you I have learn? a couple. I have a yeah. couple. And I'll, I'll actually stick on the biking thing. Um, my goal this year, summer, is to learn how to ride a bike with clipless shoes. 
Mm. Uh, last year, I got a new gravel bike. Um, so I've always just had basic hybrid bikes or you know mountain bikes my whole life. And now I've kind of upgraded to a gravel bike, which looks like a road bike, but it's not as thin, um, made to go off you know trails and stuff. I love it. Um, but I've always just grabbed on, used normal uh, pedals, jumped on normal shoes. This time I'm thinking like, I've always been told by all anybody that rides bikes, get clipless shoes, try them, try them, try them. But I'm terrified because I keep thinking I'm not going to be able to get them off and then I'm going to crash into something. Um, so that's going to be something I'm going to finally do. So so wait, so it's clip less? It's yeah, not it's clip called, in? Yeah, it's weird. It's called clip less, but it's like, yeah. I, it's actually, the, yeah, they're, they're clips yeah, that you put You are in clipping them. in. Okay. You are clipping them. But for some reason, they call them clipless, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Some biker person's going to listen to this and like, Jake, you're an idiot. But like, I swear <laughs> that that's what it was. It was counterintuitive to what the name yeah. was. But yeah, because Sherry, Sherry, my wife got clip got a clip in bike, or yes. a bike with clip in pedals for road yeah. for road riding, yeah. and yeah, it was she was very challenged in learning how to do it as well. We we went to the park. We went to the park where there was lots of nice soft grass. And she just rode in the grass, yes. and so she yeah. felt it wasn't so bad, and I helped her. So, have you guys heard of the tour divide? It's a, it's something. No, I think punchline. Jake, I think you ought to sign up for it. No, I, this is a serious thing. Oh, um, it's real. That's not a dad yeah. joke. Okay, no, it's not. It's starting. Uh, it's it, it, this year. It started <laughs> Friday, June 9th at 8 a.m., and it's a race along the the Continental Divide. So it's mountain biking, and it starts in Banff, Canada. And goes all the way to New, uh, to, uh, New Mexico, 2,745 miles of ultra endurance. And there's all kinds oh of my gosh. constraints around it. Like you can't have a sag wagon. You can't. So you're all yeah. on your own. Um, the The goal is not necessarily time unless that's your thing. The goal is just to endure it and to finish it. There's no preset places for, for camping overnight or times when you have to stop. It's all just, can you endure? I don't know wow. if it's clipless though, Jake. Well, I'm sure that because of these people who have know how to ride, they're probably wearing clipless shoes. That's a common <laughs> thing. Um, but that seems like something that may take me multiple years to <laughs> get to the endurance <laughs> level to be able to travel 2,700 miles. <laughs> well, I like how anyway. you just casually said, Jake, you should do this. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. And I would say like the last thing, there was another thing too, but I would say the last thing is actually going back to the Gen AI topic. I yeah. have been personally trying to build my own deeper understanding of not just, I think I've, I've from regards to AI, I have of course spent many, just like many of you have spent the last multiple years learning about it, understanding the general landscape of it, understanding the different components of when we say AI, there's a lot of things that yeah. are underneath that bucket. Um, but when it comes to Gen AI, this I think is one of the fastest things that have really shown up and say how this, this is super can be practical, how to use it in every day. For example, the last show that we did, I used Gen AI to create the or help me create the show description as well as the title. Um, I didn't use exactly what it did, but it, it was something to help me think of ideas. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, when I for those who don't know, I, I actually just, I came back from being sick for a week because I was in New York during when all the smoke was happening from the fires, but we were there for a reason. We were there to spend two days immersing ourselves into AI. 
And so I've been, it's another mechanism. So I'm trying to think of more and more mechanisms. And the other one on it that I have a question is, is how is AI going to affect research? And I would really love to learn from universities, research labs, what are they thinking about? How is it going to utilize there? How's it going to impact? Is it going to change anything? So I don't know. It's it's just keeps on, I want to keep on going deeper into it. So I have a whole bunch of stuff in that area, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm personally was a little, I want to call it afraid, but also to the point of how deep do I really want to get into this? Is this really going to be threatening? I don't know. But I said, it's here. I have to live with it. I got to figure it out. So I got to learn. So that's kind of my, my next thing. So did you physically need to get together in New York in order to do this? <laughs> it is a and great... risk your lungs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking back, not only did I risk my lungs from the smoke, I also did get COVID coming back from it. Um, I don't know. I, I actually did think it was all, everybody else was local. So I was the only one that was traveling. Okay. I think from what it did do is it, it allowed us, it was, I think 12 of us that all got together. Many of us 12 don't work on the same team. We're actually dispersed across the larger learning team. And I think it did allow us to rapidly learn and, and get to know each other. And then now for the rest of the journey that we plan to do, we don't have to be in person. I felt like it did set off a good base of trust. It allowed us to have really good, deep discussions on multiple areas. I also think like being in the room for that amount of time was not as draining as what it would have been sitting on a Zoom call for that long. So would you call it a learning experience that you had with elements that were training? Yeah, it actually was designed. I mean, I designed it for a learning experience. I actually had them do um, work before everybody came in with, they had to do their own research. And when they came in in person, we did teach backs. So everybody taught back what they learned. And that was a forcing mechanism to not only come in with what they know, but then teach back what they know. And then we discussed, we asked questions, we really pulled in the retrieval practice from that. And so it was designed in a way to truly be a learning, an actual learning experience. And I felt like we all did build on our knowledge, continued knowledge of the, the space. Well, now we have looped back on this entire episode twice. So that's <laughs> fantastic. And it's we have filled an loop. entire episode, just the three of us. That's great. Uh, thanks, you guys. That was really fun. Um, by the way, just a quick aside, I believe the next time we record a Learning Geeks podcast, we will all have seen the final Indiana Jones movie. I know. Uh, maybe. I will be seeing it the day before our next podcast. So you're seeing it on the session. 29th? I am seeing it on the 29th. So uh, we got tickets to the first show at the Chinese Theater. Yeah, I may not have seen it yet. Okay. I was, was kind of right. looking at Friday evening, and I know we're going to be doing with our special so. guest on AGI. Yes, that's going to be a good one. Jake, you going to be there right at the beginning? You going to be there at Rope Drop, as we theme park nerds say? I am debating, Bob. It's funny. I'm a big, I love Indiana Jones, but I am a little worried. Let's put it that way. <laughs> of what it, what, About this movie? What, yeah. Yes. And it's partly because maybe it was the last, the last one really, I was think bad. it was bad. Thanks, Dana. That's it. It was simply <laughs> bad. And, and I'm trying to figure out, do I want to go through that again? Because I just, you know, the first three, I mean, you could say what you want about the Temple of Doom, but I loved it when I was a kid. I loved it, I, you know, but I just loved Indy. 
I have posters in my basement still, Vinnie and Jones. Yeah. I love yeah. them. I've got, yeah. I've got the hat. So when I go hiking. I do too. You can see mine right there. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, you know, I anticipate it's just going to be a nostalgia bath. So I'm probably just going to be weeping through the entire first viewing of it. And I'm going to come out saying it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And then I'll start thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? It really wasn't that good. And then I'll see it again <laughs> about six months later. I'm like, you know, it was better than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like Rise of Skywalker. The score know? is by John Williams. So if nothing else, you're going to get yes. There will always be redeeming value. right? Yeah. Now, yes. Exactly. Yeah, that's but, true. I No, I still plan on seeing it the first week i just don't know if i'll see it on rope rope drop all right that's why I don't. all right yeah fair enough fair enough okay well we better wrap this up so guys uh thanks for being here great conversation great to hear from you thanks to you thanks to our listeners by the way quick aside i heard from a couple of our listeners this weekend or this last week who just dropped me a note on linkedin saying that they were listeners and we love that kind of stuff so feel free to do that or if you have answers to any of the questions that we raised or know more about any of the issues than we do definitely hit up one of us up on linkedin uh, because we do want to learn more we appreciate and, that. and do let us know if you're okay with us doing the three of us every so often because we like to just we wanted we're adding this now where we decided let's just bring back what we used to in the first couple episodes where we just brought topics in and talked yeah, Love and I will say I've had that. I've had at least three or four different people who've told me that they really like it. I've had nobody say that they don't like it, but it's also the type of thing that nobody's you gonna call say. me up and say <laughs> like. Here, so, so please tell us when you guys get yeah, together. Once just the three of you, I fast forward. I put, yeah. it on, yeah. put it on eight times speed. Yeah, right. So I like the learning geeks when it's not the learning geeks. Anyway, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, we just keep. We, how many times can we end this show? More more times than uh, than the Lord of the Rings. So we'll end it now. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Right, we'll see you next there. time on the Learning Geeks podcast. Until then, stay geeky. Bye. Thanks, all.